This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you're listening to the Sunday afternoon show with Maud. It is 3 p.m. on Sunday, the 15th of May, and you can join me online using the chat function. Today, we're going to discuss a new topic, which is Afro hair. Welcome. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good afternoon, fellow educators and dear listeners. This is my seventh radio show as a hostess, and I'm delighted to share this experience in your company. But first, I have to introduce myself for new listeners. I am a French citizen of French and West African ancestry. I have lived in the UK since 2008, and I'm a professional educator. I work in a secondary state school in North London where I teach languages as well as humanities. I do teach Spanish and French, as well as history and geography. I have also experience as a teacher in the charity sector. You can follow me on Twitter at ProfProfMFL and all views are my own. Today, I want to focus on one topic that is relevant to me as an educator and also personally in my daily working life. The podcast and discussion will both be on the topic of Afro hair. This is mostly relevant to all school staff who work in the UK and abroad, and all people generally interested in fighting against racism, as well as people who are curious and want to learn more about Afro hair in general. Let's start with a definition. Afro hair, what does that mean? So Afro is a prefix that is derived from the term African. But it also means an Afro, it's a type of hairstyle with very tight curls in an evenly rounded shape. So this is the dictionary definition. Now let's dive into the subject to see really what we are talking about. Afro textured hair, it can also be called kinky, is the hair texture of most populations in sub-Saharan Africa and also in some areas of South Africa. It means that each strand of this type of hair grows in a very tiny angle-like helix shape. And the overall effect of that hairstyle, of that hair type, I should say, is pretty much contrasting with straight, wavy or curly hair that we associated with European or Asian hair. Afro-textured hair looks more dense and more thick in appearance. 
So there's a lot of terminology to describe Afro hair. You may be familiar with terms such as kinky, spiraled, fritzy, curly, nappy in American English, and woolly as well. They all tend to be used to describe natural Afro-textured hair. There is a very formal term that you might not be familiar with. I wasn't before I did research on this show. And it's the term ulotricus, which means curly-haired in Greek. This refers to Afro-textured hair. And its antonym, which would describe uh, someone's hair who is from, let's say, India, for instance, with very smooth, straight hair, it would be Leiotricus, as opposed to Ulotricus. So that's it for etymology. Now, why am I interested in this subject? Why am I bringing it to you today? Well, it's quite straightforward. I do have Afro hair because my mother is of Caucasian descent and she had very straight hair, straight and thick hair. And my father, who was West African, had Afro hair. Now, I have a different texture from my father because I'm mixed race, but I still have, I can still sport an Afro. So it has been an issue in my earlier life. And um, I did once or twice when I was a child, try to change the quality of my hair. Very early on though, I thought it was not being truthful to myself. And since then I've been letting my hair natural and loose. But I realized that I was among a small minority of women with Afro hair who embraced the natural aspect of their hair. And I wanted to know more about it. So I've been looking online to see what other women who have Afro hair feel about their hair. And I stumbled upon a very interesting podcast. Sadly, it's uh, only in French. So this is for our French speaking listeners. So this is a podcast on Les Pieds sur Terre, which is a documentary podcast from France Culture, a very famous French radio. And it's the episode of Tuesday, the 6th of February, 2018, with an inter interview. So the woman who's interviewed is a French woman of Caribbean, West Indies, French West Indies ancestry. And she explains how um, she trained as a hairdresser in France. And she was really shocked to see that in the manual she used at hairstyling school, it said, it listed types of hair. And this manual was in use in 2010. So it's only 12 years ago. It said, and I quote, les cheveux crépus sur l'ensemble de la tête sont une affection congénitale ou héréditaire, which translates at, as fritzy hair on most of the hair are a hereditary and congenital affection. So it means that they saw fritzy afro hair as something negative. And the, the, the woman who was talking about it was really shocked because Let's, let's have this into focus. In France, 25% of women have curly to fritzy, kinky, coily hair. So that's a big chunk of the French female population. And yet, it was just an aside if you wanted to train as a hairdresser. And it was almost seen as an anomaly, 
a hereditary anomaly. So since then, since 2010, when she realized this, Aline has opened up her hair salon where she tries to promote natural Afro hair. And she thought it was a political decision because she felt like having Afro hair was almost negated and put to the side and seen as an anomaly. So this is what I'm trying to do today in this post podcast. I want to make Afro hair natural, normal, and respected as such. Now, we've had people with Afro hair for millennia, and yet we had to wait till 1997 for a scientific and professional classification of Afro hairstyles. Um, I'm referring to the American hairstylist work. He's called Andre Walker and he's from um, Detroit. And Andre sports very curly hair. He's uh, African-American. And he devised the Andre Walker hair typing system, which offers a classification of Afro-textured hair. So there's four types uh, from straight number one to wavy number two, curly number three, and then Afro number four. So these are four natural hair types. And then there's the a letter system with A, B, and C to indicate the degree of coil. So the coil is the, the way the hair, if you pull at it, it will just bounce back like an elastic. So you had to use these uh, variations and this coding system to show how varied, how diverse, and how different Afro hair is. Some people have tight coils, others wider ones. Some have a different density, sparse to dense. The strand of the hair, the diameter of the hair can be fine, medium or coarse. And the feel, even the texture, can be described as cottony, woolly or spongy. So this was a much needed classification for professional hairstylists and hairdressers all over the world. And I'm quite shocked that it had to be invented in 1997 and not earlier. But we have to thank Andrew Walker for this. So why did it take so long for African-American hairstylists to, to come with that definition and that classification? Well, it's because most of the time, it, as in the French manual for hairstyling, Afro hair was presented as being an anomaly, almost like a chromosomal variation, something to hide or to change. And the way it was done was by chemically relaxing Afro hair. Now, Andrew Walker was one of the first who wanted to promote Afro hair. And by doing so, he had to provide a classification to allow hairstylists to use the proper products for each type of hair. So Andrew Walker, as I said, uh, born in, uh, my mistake, he was born in Chicago, Illinois, in 1956, so he's an American hairstylist. As I explained, there's many, many different types of Afro hair. If you want to have a look, type the Andrew Walker hair uh, description or categorization. Um, it goes from straight to kinky coily. It might be useful to, to show this to your students if you're a teacher, so that they can define their hair types for their next trip to the hairdresser. As, as I said earlier, it became a political endeavor for Alina, the French hairstylist, to be able to promote um, Afro hair. 
and I assume for Andrew Walker as well. Now, I think it's really important that we talk about Afro hair. So why am I talking about Afro hair? African hair is different from Asian and European hair. It is unique. But with the issue of Afro hair lies the issue of racial, um, racial discrimination. The fact is that because Afro hair is not particularly common in Europe and Asia, it is seen and considered as inferior, lacking or messy. Often in America, when people have to have a dress code at work, they are asked to straighten their Afro hair, as if having very kinky, coily hair was a sign of being unprofessional, whereas it's a natural type of hair. So when I mentioned that I have Afro hair, the way I style my hair has an impact on my daily life in, and on the way people treat me. I have to say, I very rarely sport an Afro in the sense of that big round uh, Afro that is famous from the 60s and the 70s. Why don't I do that often? Well, because it gathers too much attention and I'm not always keen on having people commenting on my hair. And also in some occasions I had people coming and touching my hair without asking people in the pub or in the restaurant or in the shops. So this is why I usually try to control my hair so that it's less prominent or less big. And um, I just wonder why I feel like I have that urge. And I think it stems from social media, media and films. Because since I was a little girl, the ideal type of hair that was promoted in Disney movies, for instance, was this beautiful, wavy, I call it the Disney princess hair. I, I'm sure you can picture what it looks like. So it's a little bit like the Little Mermaid, very long and smooth and wavy. And this is a definite Caucasian beauty standard that has been imposed because it's been the only one promoted. Now it's changing and I have to be thankful for that because I'm in my 40s now and we can see curly hair on advertisements. Appearances and hairstyles are a way of express, expressing oneself, but it can also be a way of controlling people. And to me, the fact that so many black women with Afro hair have to chemically relax their hair shows that they do not embrace their natural beauty. Now we have to celebrate some famous actresses or singers who are trying to promote traditional African or African-American hairstyles. We all know that Rihanna made the cover of Vogue wearing a durag. You might be surprised, but this was actually a political move because the durag was banned in the 1980s, 1990s in many, many American states because it was seen as being deviant. Um, the hairstyle of rappers, black men, and by association, criminals which it isn't. The durag was a cheap and practical way of dealing with hair when slaves didn't have the time and the resources to deal with their hair. So as I say, your hairstyle can be a political choice. Now, if you look at traditional um, Egyptian, old antique, uh, ancient Egypt um, 
illustrations, the ones on the pyramids. You're all familiar on this type of hairstyle with the beautiful tight curls. Well, actually, you can see how it's done because there are still some people in um, Ethiopia who use something that looks like drumsticks and then they, they coil their hair around it. They use butter to keep it moist and smooth. So dealing with Afro hair is a very, very, very ancient art form and tradition. And we are familiar with Egyptian, old Egyptian hairstyles, but not so much with contemporary ones. So if, if you want to have a look at this, uh, just use an internet search and type Afar men, A-F-A-R, and you're going to see what men do in rural Ethiopia to, to deal with their Afro hair, and it's beautiful. There are many hairstyles in Africa that are still traditional, promoting the magnificent texture of Afro hair. There is a Namibia tribe called the Himba who use clay, butter, ochre, and goat hair to create these sorts of magnificent sculpture um, out of their hair. Also, you're familiar with plaiting, breading, and different hairstyles. In Nigeria, some women use acrylic yarn and Chinese thread to make sculptures out of their hair. The story of Afro hair is an unpleasant story because you have to mention slavery and the kidnapping of African people um, to, to be transported and to be sold to the Americas and to be enslaved and uprooted. I think we're all familiar with these pictures of the slave ships with um, the, the victims of slavery all lined up and locked up uh, down at the bottom of the ship. The problem with this um, transfer by ship is that people got matted hair and got lice. So when they arrived in America, the first thing that happened to them before they got sold on the slave market was that people shaved their heads. and how dehumanizing is that action but not only that because they were all sold and sent to different areas in of america a lot of african slaves lost the traditions from their local village they lost the art and techniques they lost the ability by not having the resources or the time to take care of their own hair once they grew back so they didn't have people from their local area with them they might be with people from very different tribes. So the, the knowledge got lost. And then it's, it's a whole part of their culture that got lost. The results of years of slavery and colonial, colonialism, colonialism is the loss of traditional cultures and languages, but also the loss of hairstyles. And then in the 18th and 19th century in America happened the imposition of Caucasian beauty standards. The women who were mixed race and had less Afro or kinky hair would suffer less. They would, I mean, it's, it's um, not maybe very objective, but they might have to work less in the field or they might end up having domestic duties. So they were seen as more valued. And this created a hierarchy in the African-American society. So women who had hair that were more like Caucasian hair, the smoother, the straighter the hair, they got privileges. 
So it, it encouraged all African-American women to try and change their hair texture, to try and fit in with a European Caucasian beauty standard. So at the time, 18th and 19th century, Afro-textured hair was perceived as unprofessional, unkept, political, activist, messy, primitive, and attention-seeking. And we might argue that it can still be the case in some areas of our societies. But there are some strong ladies who are trying to change this. Um, if you are a French speaker, there's an amazing essay, philosophical essay, written by Juliette Smeralda, called Peau Noir Cheveux Crépus, L'Histoire d'une Aliénation. She entitled her essay, Black Skin, Fritzy Hair, The History of an Alienation. And there is also the wonderful book called Afro, with a question, uh, exclamation mark, by Rokaya Diallo. And she gives a hundred portraits of women with different Afro hair that are not chemically relaxed to promote the beauty of natural hair. There's a lot of literature on promoting natural hair. And if you want to have a look, they're great gift ideas for your school library, as well as for friends. So now um, I'm gonna let you uh, have a think about the implication of that history, the slavery, imposition of beauty standards, the loss of traditional techniques to use and plait or braid or deal with very, very tight curls and coily hair. The historical and political impact of slavery and colonialism is huge on um, African-Americans, but also on people from the West Indies, Jamaica, and for a lot of people who are born in Africa and brought up in African societies, but who feel the impact of uh, Hollywood movies or European culture. So the issue of, Af of Afro hair is political, it is historical, but it is also economical. And um, I'm going to let you have a think about this, and I'm going to play the news, and I'll see you after the news. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. Introducing Bulb. 
With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb Digital Portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. FE Week reports on Ofsted findings following new inspections within the sector. Recent inspections at three colleges found that standards had not slipped in the decade since their last inspection. All three colleges retained their outstanding grades. The three colleges in Yorkshire were last inspected 10 years ago, but the latest reports highlight the high standards that have been maintained over time. The inspections took place at Notre Dame Catholic Sixth Form College in Leeds, Barnsley College and Greenhead College, both in West Yorkshire. Outstanding colleges are subject to full inspections for the first time this year since 2010, after an exemption was lifted. In Kent, the Isle of Thanet News website reports on the opening of Phys Lab at St Peter's Junior School. The purpose-designed hub within the school grounds enables children to enjoy hands-on experience in exploring the world of physics and general science. The hub was opened in partnership with Ogden Trust. Nathan Williams, the school's award-winning science lead, says the opening of the hub had been fantastic and that children and staff from the school and those from partnership schools were looking forward to exploring a range of scientific learning opportunities. The hub will also be accessible to local schools not in the partnerships. Cameron Ogden, chair of Ogden Trust, stated, Physics as a subject has huge importance. We are determined that everyone have access to inspiring physics education. Many media outlets report on the arrest of three people on suspicion of involvement in female genital mutilation at an unregistered school in Birmingham. Police, prompted by Ofsted inspectors who had reportedly found a locked room containing medical equipment and a bed, searched the school. Ofsted inspectors were originally following up reports of an unregistered school, but concerns were raised about possible illegal practices, so police were called in. In recent weeks, the Department for Education has announced an increase in powers for Ofsted inspectors so that unsafe, unregistered schools could be shut down. Good Housekeeping has published advice for students in managing their finances. The information on their website includes advice on how to access additional support, eligibility for tuition fee loans and maintenance loans, as well as the implications for repayment. It also outlines other funding pots some students may be able to access. 
As the cost of living continues to rise, the website reminds students and parents that the deadline for student finance for new students is the 20th of May. In South Africa, the Minister of Higher Education will table a budget for the department's strategic vision for the coming year. The budget will focus on COVID recovery and provide fully subsidised financial support to students. It will also help to increase participation rates amongst people with disabilities and women. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. Back to the topic of Afro hair. So I left you before the news with that question. Um, how is that relevant to know about Afro hair as an educator in uh, the UK? Well, uh, it is a very important thing to know about the history of Afro hair because we need to teach our students the history of Afro hair. We need to inform them of the effects of colonization and slavery on the imposition of beauty standards on women. And we need to also show them the economic issues that it creates in our contemporary world. We also need to have a knowledge of these issues surrounding Afro hair in order to protect our students from physical harm. This is our duty in regard to PSHE education. And also it is our duty to fight against racism and promote British values of um, non-discrimination. So this is why I'm encouraging any teachers work, working in the UK and as well as Europe to show to our students what type of hair we have, um, different types of hair. We have straight, we have wavy and we have curly. And this is because we have different types of follicles. So people with very curly hair have follicles that are oval shaped, whereas people with straight hair have follicles that are round. There is that classification I mentioned about Andrew Walker. This is something that you might want to put and display in the toilets in your schools or in PSHE, you might want to show it in a slide. Now, what are the health risks regarding Afro hair? So there isn't any health risks by having Afro hair when you leave it in its natural way. But there's a lot of health risks when people are trying to change the quality of their hair. The three main risks to the student's health, if they choose to change their hair quality are, first, traction alopecia. This is what happens when girls, and it's usually girls, but it might be some boys, but mostly girls pull their hair too tight and do that repetitively every day. It creates tension on the root of the hair, which often leads to hair loss. Now, the second very important risk is chemical burns on the scalp. The only way to relax Afro hair is by using a type of caustic soda, which is the same product that is that it's contained in cleaning products for the toilet. It is extremely potent and harmful. It can create severe burns. Now, another risk caused by these chemical relaxants that contain lye as well is endocrinological disorders. Many studies in America have shown that relaxers can cause reproductive problems, heart diseases, and higher levels of cancer as well as fibroids 
in the female community. Chemical relaxers were invented by Garrett Morgan. He was the son of a former slave in America, and in 1910, he was trying to create a new lubrication for the sewing machine needle. The product he was working on accidentally touched the hair on his arm, and he noticed that the hair began to lay straighter. So this is how, by accident, he developed a hair topical for black people or African-Americans to chemically force their natural curly hair straight. He called this invention the relaxer. So you might ask why, particularly if you don't have Afro hair, if you have Caucasian uh, looking hair, so very straight with a round follicle, you might ask why are women, particularly women, but there's a lot of men who also relax their hair, but why are some people who have Afro hair trying to change and straighten their hair? It might be a good question to ask your students as well. Well, the reason why a lot of women and men relax their hair is the same reason as why they also might use bleaching cream to change the color of their skin. It's because of social pressure. And it's because of the fact that they have suffered from racism and they have started to see their skin color or their hair type as wrong or negatively. So I'm going to quote Alim Ahmed, uh, who in 2014 explained, I am a 30-year-old female who has tried almost every lightening cream and whitening product out there. I have been dealing with low self-esteem due to the darkness of my skin, and I really wanted it to be lighter. So this shows something. People who suffer from racism or discrimination internally keep that racism and start having some self-esteem issues. So a lot of people who try to look like their most famous actresses or most famous singers are going to try to have a different type of hair to fit in. So PSHE and safeguarding is a duties that UK teachers have to follow. So my advice is Look for your students. You might have students with Afro hair. Look at the children who scratch their scalp a lot in lessons because they might have a constant rash or itch due to traction, extreme traction with two plaits that are too tight. Look out for students who complain about their hairstyle being too tight. Also, look out for children whose Afro hair seems unkept and tangled because that could be a sign of neglect, that their parents are struggling and need help. You might want to look out for the students who have their hair always too tight. You might want to look out for students who express feelings of self-loathing and make constant negative comments about their skin color and their hair type. If you want to promote um, healthy self-esteem and healthy natural um, beauty, you might want to praise your students when they have let their hair in a natural way. Hair politics at school is a thing. You need to check your school uniform policy because in some schools in the UK, there is a mention about hairstyles. 
I understand that some schools do not want their students to dye their hair with very extreme colors such as purple and blue. Now, it becomes a political issue if some hairstyles are banned, such as cornrows. Cornrow is an Afro-Caribbean tradition and also an African tradition. It's a way to keep hair tight and protected. Some schools have banned cornrows, particularly for boys. This has discriminatory um, connotations. I want to talk about the case of a lovely girl that I've met on Zoom during the lockdown, the first lockdown, when I started to work on the issue of fighting against racism. So her name is Ruby Williams, and I'm saying her name because she has an online presence because her plight was um, described in the media. So Ruby Williams was a secondary school student in 2016, and um, she was persecuted, and I use the word, and I know how deep the meaning is. So she was persecuted by uh, her senior leadership management at her school because they said her afro was too big. So Ruby had a big afro, which is quite rare. Teenagers usually don't often sport a big afro, but Ruby was proud of her afro hair. Ruby is mixed race. Her mother is white, Caucasian, and her father is um, black and he has an afro as well. So Ruby was really happy to have her hair au naturel. Now her school was pestering her to stop and to plait her hair or to use chemical relaxer or to change her hair. And Ruby didn't want to. And Ruby was really lucky because she has a mother who is a teacher. So it's a, a woman who has the resources, the time, and also the knowledge about um, discriminate, discrimination and how to fight against it. So Ruby's mother had to go as far as prosecute the school because at the end they didn't want Ruby to come and attend her lessons if she had her afro. In the end, Ruby received £8,500 in an out-of-court settlement after she took legal action against the Urswick School in East London. She had been told her hair breached policy and I quote the policy in the, in the school. The school policy said, Afro Stehar must be of reasonable size and length. Now, the term reasonable is a very subjective term. And here, it definitely had some racist connotations. So, I want to um, mention a few resources that you might want to use as a... Um, as a teacher, as an educator, but also as a fellow listener who wants to broaden their minds and gather some useful information. So there's three films I'm going to advise you to watch if you have access to it online, if you can stream them. There's a great documentary by Chris Rock called Good Hair. It's from 2009, so it's not recent, but it shows how there is a whole economic system, uh, a business that is thriving because of African-American women feeling too insecure to actually sport their natural hair. So Good Hair by Chris Rock. Now there's another movie that I recommend watching and it's called Self Made. And it's inspired by the life of Madame C.J. Walker, who was uh, a woman 
who became the first black millionaire businesswoman in America selling hair products. Now, it's a bit controversial because she was selling relaxers as well. But I really want to um, recommend that movie because it does show the impact of beauty standards, Caucasian beauty standards on the African-American population. And a third movie I would recommend um, that got the Conchador, which is a prize, it's Pelo Malo. Um, so it's a Spanish-speaking movie, and it's about a little boy who is struggling with his very curly hair. I think it's set in South America. And uh, he's a little boy, who, and there's also an LGBTQ aspect to the film. So I would definitely recommend these three movies, the documentary Good Hair, the biopic Self-Made, and the feature film Pelo Malo. Now, there are lots of teaching resources you might want to use as a teacher if you want to show your students the history of Afro hair and also to promote the beauty of natural hair. So I'm going to recommend you to check a website, www.worldafroday.com. If you're a teacher, you might want to add slash education and then you'll just happen to click and find some resources about World Afro Day. World Afro Day is a brilliant invention and it's a woman who invented it. Michelle de Leon, she's the founder of World Afro Day. World Afro Day happens on the 15th of September. So the next one is on the 15th of September, 2022. And Michelle de Leon's vision is that we need to show little girls who have or who have not Afro hair, that Afro hair is beautiful. So she has created a world assembly that teachers can log on to on the 15th of September. And don't worry if your timetable doesn't allow it, you can always play it later on because the link is available on the website. So World Afro Day is a global day and Michelle de Leon wanted it to be a tool of change education and celebration of Afro hair. It is endorsed by the United Nations Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights. Michelle de Leon works with families, schools and authorities because she wants to tackle discrimination against people who have Afro hair. And she offers on her website research, she creates events and produces educational resources to empower people with Afro hair and to raise awareness. And today I'm trying to raise awareness this, with this podcast, but I'm just one of a lot of women who are trying to promote the beauty of natural hair for social reason, economical reason, health reasons. I just want to anyone who has very kinky, coily hair to feel like their hair is beautiful and it is professional and positive to have an Afro. So, Michelle de Leon said that the idea was to promote every little child of African descent to feel good about their hair. Um, I might add as well that it's not just African descendants who have Afro hair. There might be communities or children who have very, very curly, coily hair 
who don't happen to, to have African descent. I'm thinking of some Scottish um, children who have very, very curly hair or coily hair. Some people who are Jewish who have very, very kinky hair. So all these people need to feel that they are represented and that their hair is beautiful in its natural way. So as a teacher, you might want to add this day, World Afro Day, in your timetable of events at school. You might want to prepare an assembly for it. And I'm happy to provide you help with if you connect with me on Twitter at prof, prof, uh, MFL, or you might want to just use the website I recommended. It is at a click away, whether you know a lot about Afro hair or not, we can all make a difference. So I'm going back to um, the issue of PSHE because I think I might have gone too fast on it. I really want to insist on the fact that it is a health hazard to promote relaxing products. I'm uh, going to quote uh, research by the Black Women's Health Study. It's a study group. It was a survey that collected 59,000 um, sets of information from premenopausal African-American participants. And they realized in that study that in America, the incidence of fibroids is two to three times higher in black women than in, black, in white women. So they tried to, to find out why there was such a racial bias because uterine fibroids derives from an endocrine disrupting chemicals. And they find out, they found out that it's due to the use of hair relaxers. A lot of black African-American women straighten their hair and a lot of them use these endocrine disrupting chemical. So that chemical in particular is called lye, L-Y-E, or sodium hydroxide, or even phthalates. And these are the ones that are used um, to, to straighten hair, change the hair quality of Afro hair. And this has a direct impact on women's health. It's worse than traction alopecia because traction alopecia is, is just um, an issue about appearance. If you lose your hair on the side, on uh, above your temples, it's going to be difficult for your self-esteem and your social, um, on a social aspect, but it's not going to put your general health in question. But the use of chemical relaxers does by disrupting your hormonal balance. Um, so I think it's really important that we tell our students here in the UK, and also if we happen to be teaching in Africa, promote natural beauty, encourage students not to use chemical relaxers, encourage girls never to use uh, skin products that bleach their skin, because we don't want the next generation to suffer from hormonal disruption. And also it's a big business. So there's lots of advertisement. So it's our duty as teachers to reduce the impact of this negative um, cycle of low self-esteem because it some people are thriving financially. The um, skin lightening industry worldwide is estimated at 3.9 billion pounds. That's a lot of money. 
By 2027, it is predicted to grow even more, up to 7.3 billion. So we see how important this issue of promoting African beauty, dark skin, Afro hair, it's about the future of our generation and also the future of, our, of the health of us, of our children. It has a massive impact on countries' budgets and on our children's self-esteem. So, as a, as a teacher or as an educator, your first step after this podcast, I hope, is going to be to check your school policy regarding hairstyles. Make sure you think about how you approach students who are from Afro-Caribbean traditions or African traditions. We all have students, I mean, I teach in London, it might not be the same if you're in the Hebrides or in Cornwall, but you might have students who always have a comb in their hair because they have an Afro. We might want to uh, give them the opportunity to use these combs outside the classroom, obviously not in lesson, but we might want to accept that these traditions are because an Afro needs a lot of care. And I want to refer to um, my um, next topic. Um, we, we're going to receive a guest. We're going to welcome a guest at four o'clock and we're going to talk about the issue of keeping Afro hair because there's a reason why so many students plait their hair too tight, um, choose to use chemical relaxers. And the reason mostly is time and also money. Keeping an Afro is very time consuming. So there's a reason why some of our students uh, from the West Indies, for instance, of Jamaica, always have a comb in their, in their bags. It's because you need to keep your, your Afro nice and round and it's a lot of care. So I think we need to think about our school policies when we target the issue of how to promote Afro hair's beauty. Um, I think it's about time to listen to our jingle and then we will um, receive our guest. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development Every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. Introduce
Hello? Rochelle is an illustrator and she's been working on the on books for children mostly. So ha Rochelle, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can hear you now. Welcome. Great. Just talk Hi. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh no, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have. <laughs> so, uh, Rochelle, I wanted to invite you today to share your experience with our listeners. So, could you tell us um just remaining um don't need to give us any confidential information, but mm. tell us who you are, what you do, and uh, then tell us what's, um, what do you know about Afro hair? Um, okay, so um, I'm an illustrator and um, I'm also mixed race, so I'm from the Caribbean. Um, and so my experience with Afro hair is my own. Um, and it's just, I suppose it's the uh, 40 odd years of having to take care of it, style it, live with it. Um, and yeah, and so I kind of feel like I've got quite a few stories um, and experiences uh, to share. I would um, even say you're an expert, aren't you? <laughs> I wouldn't go as far as that. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose if you've lived with something for that long, then maybe you are. But for my type of hair, then yeah, I do feel like um, I've just just now starting to get the hang of how to take care of it, like, you know, properly. Um, so yeah. Could you describe uh, for us uh, your type of hair? Um, so my hair is quite, I would say it's, it can be quite frizzy, um, and it can be very poofy and, uh, it, you know, it can get quite big. I wouldn't say it goes, it's not like a solid Afro. It's, it can get, mm -hmm. it has a good shoulder length to it. Um, but my coils are very, um, different depending on which side of my, like at the front, it's a different kind of coil to the back. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it has a bit of a mind of its own. I'm not going to lie. It can be quite a pain to maintain and look after. Um, yeah, as my husband um, will tell you, he's had to put up with many days where it's just like, right, it's a hair day. It's a whole day. <laughs> yes. So could you tell us how long you spend uh, per week on uh, dealing with your hair and maybe how much money you spend on it? Oh, gosh. Money-wise, uh, there is a... Um, I don't know, there's so many of us, we spend so much money trying to, to, to take care of these curls. Um, so I couldn't give you a price, but I do have many products. Um, and it's like, you're just going through all of them, trying to find the one that's, you know, it's like a constant game of uh, trying to get that perfect curl. It, it's just, oh, it, does, it drives you mad after a while. Um, and time-wise, I mean, I have to give it a good, I mean, I, every night before I go to bed, I kind of braid it in uh, like a, a kind of a safe braid that can keep stop it from getting too knotty throughout the night. 
and um, I do that every night and then it has to have like so many deep conditions a deep treatment as well because afro curls they tend to dry out um, quite easily and you know they they uh, it's all because of the you know the oils in the scalp just trying to reach through that or go over that coil and try mm-hmm. to get to the end so the ends tend to get quite dry so you do find yourself having to do a lot of leave-in conditioners and stuff like that um, and because it gets knotty you're always trying to detangle as well and yeah so it's a lot of drama I'm not gonna lie (laughs) I hear that you have to do that process every evening of um, plaiting your hair do you wear something on top of your hair when you go to bed yeah 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 so I have like a silk a silk scarf and I also have a silk pillowcase as well um I never used it It was something I kind of had in the last you know few years I think it was you know it started to become a thing where this was available and it was it kind of helps to stop the hair from getting so knotty and also it's great because it stops um all the stuff that you've put in there to keep that moisture in from just being absorbed by your pillowcase so it kind of stays on the hair rather than you know ending up in your pillowcase which is it's a nice kind of a satin a pillowcase or a silk scarf that I use to wrap okay. it up and yeah okay so that's your evening routine what do mm. you do in the morning then um in the morning it's just a bit of a spruce up really because um it depends on you know because I'm like I think you know I mean Maud I think you you're good you're quite comfortable with your safety hairstyles and but I like to have my hair out. I know you said you didn't uh but I actually do so I do wear my hair out a lot which means I have got a big poofy hairstyle like all the time um <laughs> because um I find for me that it's um less time consuming than me trying to style it every day and mm-hmm. um, so I wear it out um it does mean though that I have a lot more knots to deal with um but it is you know, that's the way I like. I've always wanted to have my hair out. I mean, as a little kid, it's like, I, you know, growing up, my mom was always braiding my hair and putting it into safety uh, braids and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, growing up in the UK, it's, I always felt like everyone else had their hair out, had beautiful ponytails. And here I am with my braids. And so I did, I did, I, I was never happy with that. Um, and so I've always wanted it out. I don't know, it's like a, you're, you're constantly trying to get that beautiful, long, luxury luscious locks look all the time the, the but... new princess hair i call it yeah 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 um and i think it's because we're so we, that's what we see on tv and it's what mm-hmm. you know we are surrounded by um and so that you want that too especially because you know as children you do want to fit in um so it, you know which is why i think this discussion is so important actually because i know if it it might feel quite niche but in actual fact is you know we've all had experiences of people outside of our you know domain just coming in and just touching our hair and making comments um I mean it happened when I was at school um and it happens even today like you know and it's it's always so awkward having to tell because you please not you know it's this is my space could you not touch my hair um and especially at school as well like I was speaking to a friend not long ago and she was saying that she was her child was in I think year two or year three at primary Mm -hmm. And um, her daughter, um, she commented that her teacher in the playground had touched her hair and made a comment like, oh, isn't it soft, you know? And it's just, and the child, even she, the, even the child made a note of that, you know? So she knew that, that she didn't like it. It felt uncomfortable. And then what does that comment mean? As if she was expecting it to not be soft. And then, exactly. you know, and it just, it's, it's just one of those things. It's just like, it's just learning that like everyone else, we don't want to have that happen. You know, it's just like, this is my space. And so it is really important to, to discuss, you know, Afro hair and the fact that it's different and to be appreciated and 
it cannot be just lumped in with everyone else's in the same breath because it has a whole other routine that you know that needs to be um understood and appreciated Yes, and I think a lot of people don't know because it's never shown in the media. Um, mm. We never see um, a singer or an actress who happens to be um, mm-hmm. sporting an afro. All the mm. care she she has to do, like you oh, say, yeah. uh, putting products before bed, plaiting mm. it, putting a special pillowcase so that you don't damage your bed linen, and then in yep. the mornings crossing up the the mm. curls so that they look yep. um, the, so that they look good. Um, all this takes time and I was saying as well that some of our students might not have the time and the resources to do it and then they go for breading or plaiting because it's practical and then it might be too tight because Mm -hmm. uh, you know we're supposed to keep them for only four weeks the plaits but because it's expensive the parents might want to have it really tight so that it stays Mm. longer and then we see a lot of students with almost no hair above their temples and that that actually did happen to one of my friends actually um yeah I mean braids are one of those things that um they have a place you know and I've, I've braided my hair in the past and as long as you're careful and you're really um taking care of that hair when you put it in there and when you take it out then that's fine but when you're a teenager I just think you know I mean I need a certain amount of time to get my hair prepped for braids and I just don't know if especially if, even at primary level if that level of time is being going to be put in when it comes to braids um and making sure that hair is protected because I do know I do have a friend who had braids all the way through secondary and now that she's you know she was the same age now that she's grown up the the, the whole entire front of her, her hair is like it's almost non-existent and mm-hmm. her hair is there's hardly much of it left now because obviously putting a, a braid in if it's not if it's adding a hair extension braid to it then you're putting weight on each bit of hair you're, you know it's, and that weight over time just weakens that hair follicles so it is you know it's fine if, it, if you're going to do it properly but I can imagine over a long period of time it's probably not the answer um, yes because yeah, of traction alopecia definitely yeah yeah but there definitely needs to be an, uh, an understanding I mean I see a lot of girls going to especially if it's a uniform school now in secondary um, you'll see them now um, opting to just wear um, the you know the the hair uh, the, the safety hair cap you know that you put on at night time um, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing that more and more now at young girls from secondary because there is so much work involved to keeping that afro hair to get, and we're so um, we hear those comments all the time that our hair looks messy and Mm -hmm. you know it's 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 you know we hear that it doesn't look tight it's not it's not neat enough and that's because of the comparisons of our hair with Caucasian hair for instance and it seems really it's so unfair because that is the natural way of our hair you know and and even from my point of view like even I'm trying to chase that perfect curl and I'm like trying to break free of that myself to go do you know what my hair isn't always moisturized it isn't always um you know like that in fact it just wants to naturally be frizzy and that is classed as messy um mm-hmm. and un- and unkept for instance but do you know what we need to stop for that as well because we're just not embracing um what our hair wants to do and we need to make it more normalized so it's just you know so we all look at that hair and not look at it and think oh isn't she unkept isn't she she's not maintaining herself it's it's the hair is the way the hair is. It seems unfair that we have to go through that extra level all the time to keep up this standard that it's incredibly hard to achieve. Yes, and this is an issue because as um, someone with an af- Afro type of hair, you need more time 
to take mm. care of your hair, but it's never counted into the time it takes for your normal day routine. Yes, of course. Um, I, I know traditionally in Africa, there was uh, in the, in the tribe, there was women who all gathered together, usually around um, the, the main tree, which is where the council used to happen. And they mm -hmm. would all plait each other's hair or they yeah. would all treat each other's hair using mm -hmm. sheer butter or even yeah, yeah. Um, animal butter. And just they took the time to, mm. to prepare every, each other's hair. We don't have that community in our modern individualistic society so mm. it's all on us it's all on our on our shoulders it is, <laughs> technically. It is. and it so, is and it'd be great if schools actually did take that on board as well just did a bit of appreciation of the time that's required for afro hair um, mm -hmm. because you know um, it, it's important i wanted to go back to what you said so you see girls in your area so in mm. in london who, who wear um a, a type of cap do you think it's a bit similar to the durag in America? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's very similar. And um, I mean, it's becoming more and more common now to do that because, you know, I think it's the easiest option if, you know, because when I was a kid, my mom used to braid my hair all the time. And then as like my family grew, she was having to braid like all of us girls. And it was, it was, it was tiring for her. But also as you become a teenager, you don't really want that look anymore. You want to have um, a more grown up uh, hairstyle. Mm -hmm. um, and the maintenance required as well. And also everyone's hair is different. So you're all going through a learning journey with your hair. Um, because every coil is different. Every product works differently. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if when you're that age, you've really got the time and the patience to put that time in. So they, they are wearing more, um, you know, the, the, the usual thing they would have worn to protect their hair in the house is now, you know, slowly making its way outside. Um, I, I, wonder if them, it's allowed, I wonder if it's allowed in the school policy, actually. And uh, I think I, we need to check this out as yeah. educators. Yeah, because, yeah. Um, and also... <laughs> It kind of occurred to me as well. I'm surprised nobody's thought of perhaps creating a product for the uh, the same thing, but for outside, you know, so that it's still it's still you know it feels like you've got a nice headscarf, and we've got so many beautiful African um, you know patterned headscarves. Could there not be an alternative, similar material, but for part of the school uniform? Because um, I feel like there is no option. It's like you've got to wear this, or what else is there? You know, because well you. That's a great mm. business idea, Rochelle. Yeah, I know, I know. I keep thinking it every time I see it. I'm like, why haven't I started this yet? <laughs> so um, tell me what you were thinking of doing uh, in your profession to promote mm. uh, the beauty of Afro hair or natural hair. Well, because um, I'm an illustrator I and I'm currently working in picture books, um, I, w I do want to eventually um, put together, I mean, I have started to put together a, a picture book about natural hair and just the kind of the stories of from my own childhood to my friends you know kids and what they what they've experienced day to day with their afro hair because it is the it is a bit of a there is a, a reality that a lot of girls especially at primary level start to rebel against their curls um and because of those comments and people touching and you know and seeing everyone else have an easy life with their curls and i mean growing up my hair you know it, it was always sticking up, you know, our hair does not grow down, it grows out. Yeah. And so having hair that sticks up all the time, you know, it's, it, it, you end up just having, especially kids, you know, will always comment and say stuff. So a lot of young girls, um, you know, start to rebel against their curls. 
And, you know, my, my youngest, she has curly hair, not Afro hair because, you know, her dad is Caucasian. So, but she does, she did inherit the curls. And um, <laughs> I've always met, tried to, I, you know, I, it would have broken my heart for her to, to feel that about hair, especially because her sister actually has quite straight hair in comparison. And so I was, it was like my mission <laughs> to make sure that she really did appreciate the beauty that she had these gorgeous ringlets. And, um, and she does, she's so proud of them now. And if anything, you know, if they're, she wants them out and she gets lots of lovely comments about them and stuff, because who doesn't love lovely comments, you know? Um, and so, so yeah, I think it's really important that we are, we are making sure that uh, the next generation of young girls do realize how beautiful it is. Yes, it's hard work, but actually, it's a part of your race. It's a part of, you know, it makes a part of your identity as well. It shouldn't be something that we um, find that is, we want to change it so drastically that it's not mm -hmm. even, it doesn't resemble what it, what it naturally is because of some other standard that we can never meet, you know? Um, so yeah, I do want to do more picture books. And I, when, especially every time I do one of my characters and stuff, I, my, most of my characters are based around, you know, uh, brown skin and they have lots of different types of hair curls and stuff like that. I like to try and show that there is so much diversity in it. So yeah, that is that is my my secret mission is to create more picture books like that, really. Well, it's, it's a great mission. And I guess oh. you have a lot of fun drawing the hair because as you say, it has different textures. So um, how do you how do you approach this as an illustrator? Um, well, I do my research and I may, I have a look at all the different textures there are out there and, um, you know, just try and get it as close to, re um, you know, a realistic hairstyle. I, I see a lot of illustrators uh, just go for a particular way of drawing curly hair and it's always one particular way, big curls or big sweeping curls, although it's a flat color with, a, you know, a hint of texture to it. And a lot of the time, sometimes it looks really messy, like it's just you know, no child would be walking around like that, you know, and that mm -hmm. kind of gets me a little bit because it's like, actually, um, the way they've drawn it makes it look unkept. Like, it, it's like you have drawn it badly, you know, and it's okay. a lot of the time is it's not actually, it's not showing the true nature of the, the texture and the true pattern of the, the hair. It's no appreciation for that. And so I always try and draw it in a way that actually it shows the, 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 the coils of, of realistic curls um, and, you know, and how it would look naturally because I just feel like, you know, I don't want it just to all, all of them just all to look the same because my hair texture is completely different to yours, Maud, and so is my daughter's. And, you know, that even the child I was mentioning before, her hair texture is completely different as well. So why not have some true representation of all the different varieties? It's like we've got so many picture books in the world. I don't see why we can't. And you said it yourself that even on one head of hair, you might mm -hmm. have different quality yep, of well. hair yes, yes, <laughs> for one well. person. It's so true. Um, I had one more question. When you were a teenager, because we all know we've been through teenagehood, it's a difficult time and you have to accept your body changing. You have to accept um, becoming a woman or, or a man. And how did you accept your curls? Did you ever consider relaxing your hair? How did you see your identity as a teenager um, with that perspective of the hair? Um, I don't think I truly accepted my hair till I was a lot older. I did relax my hair when I was younger. Um, I got picked on a lot at secondary level because my hair was natural to start off with. Um, and 
it was really like heartbreaking because it wasn't because I was in love with my hair or anything. It's just, it was just at that age, I just didn't think about it. I was just, you know, my mom was braiding it for quite a long time um, because it was so much to deal with. Um, and then after that, I just, you know, when she, when I started to come into my own, I didn't quite like her hairstyles anymore. And I didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> so it was a, I was a right mess with it at school. Um, but I don't think, um, I think, and also because I got picked on so much as well, um, it forced me to kind of feel um, un, un, unhappy with it and just feeling like I had to force it into something else because mm-hmm. what it was now was getting all the wrong attention and um you know you know I didn't want to I didn't want to stand out in that way and when you're in that age group you know all you want to do is to find your your tribe and your people and just you don't want to be on the outside and so I did end up after um well first I started doing braids and then after braids I started to relax my hair um and yeah, and it was terrible because, you know, when you when you relax a lot, um, you end up with a very short hair by the end of it. So I started off with quite long hair only to have very short amount because it just causes so much damage to the hair. That well, it, it literally it literally burns the hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It? It, break, it, make, it weakens it so badly and then it, and then it uh, just breaks off eventually. So I, by, I think by the time I was in my where was I? I was I was yeah, I think I got to about my 30s, I think um yeah almost I was almost at my 30s and I think it was my first pregnancy because obviously um when you're pregnant you don't want to be mixing with that kind of stuff anyway um you don't want any chemicals coming in near you at that point so you so I stopped all that stuff at that point and then through my pregnancy and having having a baby I'm like I didn't have any time for dealing with my afro hair at that point my hair just I let it to grow out um it it was equally a sorry state going go after that because there's just no time for hair when you've got children um and so it went all the relaxer unfortunately once it's relaxed you can't go back so whatever relaxer was in there would just stay until that bit of strand grew out and broke off um and so I think I must have came out of that after my second child and I think that's when like the big um push towards natural hair that natural hair movement was really starting to take off and I think uh, I was actually I'd moved to London at this point and I had I think it was the first time as a grown-up I could start to see like all the relaxed had pretty much broken off and I was starting to see my own natural curls and it felt so weird because I hadn't seen those natural curls in such a long time um and I loved them they were these beautiful little tiny ringlets and I loved them loved them so much and um now they're a pain absolute pain but at that point I was just like oh my god this is this is great so um it was a discovery it was a real discovery and it was kind of sad also because I, I lost so many years to this kind of, you know, this, this false narrative almost that I'm pushing for this look that was just never going to be, you know, having that lovely, relaxed, long hair. It was just never going to happen. Um, and yeah, so and then I went natural. And to be fair, you know, I've, occasionally I've braided it to do like a protective style, like when I go on holiday and stuff like that, because I just don't want to deal with my hair when I go on holiday in, in that heat. But generally I'm always natural now and I don't think I'll ever go back to chemicals really um and so yeah I I, you know but it's just once again it's that whole push you know for to conform because you feel that you know your hair is not good enough you know and it's it's such a sad sad state of affairs where we are we've got something that's naturally part of us and we just look at it in that way um so yeah yeah 
it feels like mm. what we have is not fitting mm. the society yeah. we live in and that we have to change to be accepted um yeah. when i take what i take from what you just said is that you went on a journey mm. that that took you from i guess your mom being from jamaica she had this mm. tradition of plaiting hair yeah, um, yeah. because it's it's easier mm. it's still very mm. aesthetic Mm -hmm. um it's also protective but when yes. it's repeated it might lead to traction uh, issues with the root of the hair and also mm -hmm. it might be seen as a bit childish because this is yeah. what little children wear so you had yes. this then mm -hmm. as a teenager you wanted to fit in so you started relaxing and mm -hmm. then it took you um you had to rebuild your confidence mm -hmm. as a woman mm -hmm. and motherhood helped somehow yes. mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. and now you have accepted who you are and you have promoted your natural hair beauty mm -hmm. although you do are very honest about the the cost and the time mm -hmm. uh, that you need to devote to that hair yeah 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 it's it, you have to be realistic with it it's not something that you i can just say yeah yeah it's great because it's 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 a hard <laughs> it's a hard slog but then i think it's just fitting into your life and I think this is you know a lot of people probably wonder why uh, black people go on so much about their hair it's because of the time it takes it, it's not it's no joke okay we are just uh, like spending a lot of time a lot of products constantly trying to keep it hydrated trying to you know stop it from getting too tangly because the de detangling can be such a pain um and it's it's the reality of having it natural and i could see why a lot of people would lean towards you know an easy life by relaxing it or putting um something in it because you you do feel like you're you're at the behest of this 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 hair that's so you know got a mind of its own but if we don't you know promote uh the that natural hair then I think we kind of feel like we're going backwards again back into the relaxing and, and all that kind of stuff just isn't it's just like you said none of it's good for you and as someone actually who has had fibroids it's like mm -hmm. you know it's all connected and um I just you know I would not want that for I would not want that for my own children I would hate for them to even I would never even let them consider it I would be so concerned if they were So it kind of goes to show how much, you know, I've gone full circle with it. Yes. Because, yeah, because it's just You've not, been... it's so harsh. It, it was a journey. Um, I want to ask you, what do you hope to achieve with your, your work as a writer and an illustrator in the next five to 10 years uh, with that perspective of Afro hair? Um, I wouldn't mind it if, it, you know, a little... A little gem of wisdom was shared amongst those that read those kind read those books and learn a little bit about the um, realities of behind a, a child of that age dealing with curls that perhaps don't fit in with everyone else, you know. And just be for them to be sympathetic towards the fact that you know this is it's not an easy task and they might be sensitive to comments being made and they definitely don't want you touching their hair. Um, and, you know, I think that's, it's such a, you know, because I, when I write my books, I don't, it's not just about teaching the child of the child to go on a journey. I also appreciate there is an adult reading this book as well. And why not? We are, we never stop learning. Why can't an adult learn from a picture book as well? Um, and then from a child's point of, point of view, it's always going to be about representation for them to feel that they exist in the world and the world has acknowledged them. And I think every child deserves to be, uh, to have uh, true representation. Um, 
I know it's something that growing up, I don't think I felt it. I feel we're at a time now where picture books are opening up more and are more diverse. But, you know, I still think we have some way to go. And I think, you know, we should be definitely, we're going in the right direction, which is, which is great. I think it's much better than in our childhood. Mm, um, definitely, yeah. Where, where black people were not on TV. Um, I mean, the only black people I knew on TV were Michael Jackson and Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. And we know now <laughs> what happened. Um, oh, God, so yeah. it's definitely, it's definitely <laughs> changing for the best. But I would yeah. say it won't be normalized until mm-hmm. you can go to any hairdresser, mm-hmm. any hairdresser on the high street and say, oh, I want my hair plaited or yes. I want, uh, I have kinky coily hair type four. Mm-hmm. Can you, can you treat my hair? Unless yes, yeah. every hairstylist knows how to treat African Afro hair mm-hmm. in any hair salon in the world, yep. I don't think we'll have reached equality of representation. It, it's really true. It's, it's such a good point. And, um, you know, I'm glad you touched upon that because... I, I've been I remember when I was at uni and I'd never been to hairdressers at this point I, I think I'd been to an Afro an Afro Caribbean but I'd never been to a, a just a general one and I remember walking into them going okay I need to get a haircut and they just looked at me like um we don't do your hair type and that happened so often like I did wonder if it was just them or if it was just like a general cause and at the time it was all of them like you know you 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 stuck to your hairdresser which was the Afro-Caribbean one and if you had Caucasian hair you'd go to the the uh, the other one but it was just it, I, I did find that quite surprising, actually, considering that, you know, Afro-Caribbean hairstyles, um, hairdressers weren't that, you know, local. I had to go quite far to find. And who doesn't want to be able to just pop into a hairdresser's when they need something touched up? You don't want to be traveling all over the shop. I remember traveling across cities at one point because when I was living in, I think it was like Northampton, there wasn't one So I, at that point. And so I ended up going up back up to Coventry or something to get my hair done. And I was doing this trek just to... And it's just ridiculous, really. Um, it's getting better now. Um, I do. I have seen more and more hairstylists now having more, um, you know, having other people within the store that do specialize in it. And that's great. But I do think you're right. I think it should be across the board. It should be all hair types. Why are we just teaching one form of hair type as if there's only one form of person that matters? Um, exactly. Can we not broaden that, please? Um, all hair types definitely mm. should be taught in in hairstyling school, and uh, let's remember as well that some people can be Caucasian looking but with mm. very kinky yes. yes. hair. So Absolutely. it's all women should be able to go to a hair salon and get. And that, and, and that is a really good point also because I remember having a friend who had very 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 curly hair, like it was really long. I can't imagine they would have turned her away. So what it was it exactly? So yeah, it is it's a bit of an interesting one because yeah, but curly hair is not just, you know, on black people. So mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. When we when we talk about Afro hair, we have to talk about history of discrimination. And I'm hoping that in 20 years when our daughters are our age now, they mm-hmm. won't have to face this daily you know, making them feel like their hair is just not the right type of hair. And I'm hoping yeah. that Afro hair will be just as normal as the lovely Disney princess hair, <laughs> which I happen to, to like as well. My mum has that type of hair, but you know, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, all types of hair that need to have their, their mm-hmm. chance. So thank you so mm-hmm. much, Rochelle. You've been a lovely guest. I think it's, uh, it was very personal 
<laughs> your um, your you described your journey. It was uh, mm -hmm. it was not an easy one. It's the discovery of what your hair is like, and it takes a lot of time, effort, but also work on yourself. And I'm glad you you reached a stage where now you you do love your hair, even mm -hmm. though, as you said, it's a dip difficult hair type to manage on a daily basis. Yes, um, yes. So thank you so much, Rochelle. I'm oh, sure our welcome. listeners enjoyed your testimony. <laughs> and uh, I'm sorry it's so rainy in London today. I <laughs> know, oh, where's the sunshine gone? <laughs> oh, All right, thank you so much, Rochelle. Oh, thank you. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. So dear listeners, this was our Sunday afternoon show on the topic of Afro hair. So I hope I gave you a desire to dive into the resources I mentioned, that now you're going to Google it, Google the natural hair movement and um, check the www.worldafroday.com for your assembly planning for September. And I hope I made you more aware of the issue of Afro hair and the, the need for promoting the beauty standards of women who have kinky, coily, nappy, frizzy hair. Thank you so much, dear listener, and I wish you a lovely Sunday evening. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development Every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. 
our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening.